you. Oh, blessing. I love what I see out here. What I see are a group of overcomers. Pressing through the weather says a lot. But what I really see are a group of on-fire people. And what I love, I see something that's transgenerational. And I believe cross-cultural. And I believe is having worldwide impact in the kingdom of God. I love some of the things I've heard already this morning, even the opening up of worship. about It's not about us. It's about the church. Because what God is doing today, he's moving us from a church-centric mentality to a kingdom-centric mentality. He's moving us from a church growth to a kingdom growth mentality. He's moving. Churches are full of believers. I say it all the time. And yet when we resurrect a 2,000-year-old prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ, but pray for the labors. And here today, 2022, they say we have almost 2 billion Christians walking the earth. Now, I put that in quotes. All right, when we talk about Christians, 2 billion. Why aren't we seeing a greater impact in the world? Because we have believers, we don't have disciples. Churches are full of believers but churches are not full of disciples. All disciples are believers, but all believers are not disciples. You hear me this morning? And I sense something, and I've got, a, I've got sticky notes all over as I've been seeking the Lord, and just, you know, even for the church here, because something happened when my wife, and I want my wife to stand up. Lily, would you stand up, please? Here in March, it'll be 53 years for us. Our family is a very unique family, and I believe it's somewhat of a testimony of God, and I believe he did things in our life that we could be a voice, and we are. My wife is Hispanic, so my children are biracial, but one of my sons on the mission field married a Peruvian, another one of my sons married a Filipino. Another one of my daughters married an African-American. We have Lebanese, Syrian. I mean, our family is a real mix and a real blend. Now, we didn't plan that, but I want to tell you something. I'm working right now with some major African-American leaders. And we're having some real impact because the church has to come together. It has to come together. And one of the leaders said to me, uh, he's 87 years old, and so he's been through a lot of the marches and everything else. He's been a major influence. When I talked to him about the kingdom of God, he said, we're black first, kingdom second. And I said to him, that doesn't work. Kingdom takes second place to no person or no thing. Long story short, I'm here to tell you today. That man said, how do we bring kingdom into our churches? That's an exciting breakthrough. 
What I want to share with you this morning began in 2020 for me, for this church. My wife and I came to the Kingdom Culture Conference. We've known Bo for some time. And I remember when we walked into this place, I sensed something unique. And I'm not saying that because I'm here. And I knew that God had put a message on my heart that was, if you will, confirming and affirming of what he's already spoken to you. And I want to address a little bit of that first. And some of the things I'll share this morning, if any of you have been at the Kingdom Culture, you heard me share a few of these things. But I want you to go to your Bibles with me this morning to 1 Peter, or 2 Peter, I believe it is, I want to start with. 2 Peter chapter 1. Because there's something unique that I want to see the Lord continue to bring forth in your midst that I sense here. And I'll tell you what the Lord spoke to me as soon as we walked through those doors, my wife and I. Because you don't see this everywhere, and that's not speaking against things in other churches, etc. But God chooses different people and different churches for different things. And this church is an apostolic center. The Lord spoke that to me when we walked through the doors. And that gives us somewhat of a uniqueness. But I want to talk here. I want to begin in verse 10 of, of, of 2 Peter chapter 1. Therefore, brethren, even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I'm in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my departure. Now he goes on talking about they didn't follow clever uh, teachings and sayings, etc., but over chapter 3, he said, Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle on both of which I stir up your pure minds by a way of a reminder. I'm going to say that. I'm going to share a story and share something that, that I think is significant for the church here and what God's doing today. Because one of the things that's happening as we look out in the world and see what's taking place, have you noticed people are hopeless, helpless? And yet, the church is in a place of bringing a major change, a major shift to the world around us. I believe God has positioned that. Some years ago, I was speaking at a conference. They had me come and speak. And I said, well, what's the theme of the conference? And they said, whatever God puts on your heart. So I sought the Lord. The Lord gave me a specific message. I said, yes, Lord. I said, okay, now I'm speaking three nights. What's the second night? And what's the third night? And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to share the same exact message all three nights. Lord, am I really hearing you? you? He said, don't try to massage it, make it different. I want you to share the same exact message all three nights. Now, if part of your income comes from speaking at conferences, how many know that could be a killer? 
It's kind of like Jesus' message, church growth message. You've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. No, that wasn't a real church growth message, by the way. And so I'm wrestling with the Lord on this because it made a major shift in my life. And so I remember the first night of the conference, I shared with the people there what I felt the Lord had told me. And I said, I'm a little, you know, hesitant on this, but I'm going to walk out and try to be obedient to it. So the first night, I shared the message, and we ended the service. The second night, there were more people there. I shared the same exact message. Third night, there were more people there. I shared the same exact message. And the Lord spoke to me very specifically. And this is a word for us and those who are apostolic. I'm not interested in how much ground you cover. I'm interested in how much ground you take. The third night, I said to the people out there in the congregation, out there in the audience, I said, tell me, did I hear the Lord? And one after one, people began standing up and preaching the message. How many of you come on a Sunday morning or whatever, hear a message, and you, you know, I liked it, I didn't like it, I, I, you know, a lot of times our meeting sounds like the Christian Dow Jones, faith was up two points, worship was up a point, tongues was down three points. <laughs> and a lot of times we really don't grasp Abba's perspective of the meeting. This church is taking ground for the Lord. And I want to look at some things as I prayed here, because I really believe, like I said, this is a word of confirmation. It's a word of affirmation. Some apostles plant, and they also water. I believe God has me here to water. As a matter of fact, I'm going to step down right now. I'm 75 years young. I know my wife looks a lot younger than I do, but she's only one year younger. She's got special favor from the Lord. But as I've walked the earth, and as I had men lay hands on me over the years that were older than me, I was in my 30s and 40s, had men of 70, 75. Do you know the movement that's going on right now was started back really in the 50s? Of course, it goes back to the New Testament. And what I'm talking about is the restoration of God's church. Because what's happening today with what's going on, and God is revealing some things. And I shared that with the um, uh, three pandemics that are going on right now, simultaneously, Number one, we have the health pandemic. Anybody know what that is? COVID. How many have ever seen anything like this in our life? We have not. Two, we have a cultural pandemic going on. The George Floyd incident and all that's happened. The third pandemic is the political pandemic. And so you have these three pandemics going on, and everybody's looking out at the surface of what's going on and wrestling with it. But I'll tell you what the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, what I am doing is exposing the fault lines of the foundation of the church. This church and others like it that are apostolic centers are going to be messengers out there ahead of the curve carrying the word of God. Now, what is important is that the messengers stay on message. And what the Lord taught me when I went to that conference and spoke the same message three nights in a row 
And I saw people begin to stand up and preach the message. They were being equipped for what was coming. And I have been, I've had many lay hands on me. And what I wanted to do, and I told Yuri I was going to do this. I wanted to extend my right hand to him. And this is why. Paul went up to the apostles. And they extended him the right hand of fellowship and received him as an apostle. An apostolic center is led by a fathering and mothering spirit. Someone who is an apostle needs to be. The apostles will not be in every church. But I knew the Lord sent me here to confirm and affirm. Many have spoken, and I know that's true. But I'm here to extend the right hand of fellowship. Because I carry it from the generations on down and passing it on to other generations now. Would you stretch your hands toward him right now? And to Amanda, because they are one in this. Honey, would you come over and just place hands on Amanda here? This is not just about a message this morning. This is prophetic for this church. Where God's going to be taking you, where you're already on a journey, but God's going to be taking you into some real fine things. So, Father, right now, we just acknowledge, Lord, the call and commission that you placed in these two and in this church. And, Lord, we stretch forth our hand and receive them among the apostles in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for what you're doing in them and in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, my brother. I receive you. Very good. All right, now I want to get a little bit into the message. And there will be several things that I think will resonate with your heart because of who you are. Throughout the years, we've always been on the cutting edge of things. He knows our network of churches, Apostolic Team Ministries International. We've worked in many nations, sent people over 100 nations. We've worked in the communist nations, Muslim nations. And God has been very gracious and good to us. But an apostolic center is a place that is all about being aware of our sentness. The word apostle, of course, we know, and I'm sure you've heard it before. And the verb form of that, apostello, means to send. And what I saw in this church was a major equipping center and sending center. God is going to bring people into this church that may have been elsewhere but could not be equipped, could not walk out the very call on their life. And in this equipping... As a matter of fact, I saw people coming from other nations to be equipped and sent back out as well. In this equipping, one of the major things that God's going to be doing, the metrics of how we look at church are changing today. And that's why I love talking about the changing face of the church. Because if we don't change, we have more history than future. We used to say all the time years ago, change is here to stay. And many of us that began moving in the apostolic and prophetic back in 72 and 73 in the earlier years there, we were men born out of due season. 
Today the words become popular, but not all who call themselves such are such. And so the metrics of church are changing, and I want to share this with you because you are in that journey, that adventure of helping the church walk through the transition that it must walk through. Leaders I'm talking to all over the world, we all say the church is in transition. And so one of the major metrics that has to change in the church is that it becomes an equipping center rather than a warehouse. The church is to be a factory where we're producing something. Not a warehouse where we store things. It's not about attending, it's about equipping. In the area of Toledo where I'm at, we started uh, back in 2012, different times we've uh, walked out with uh, uh, bringing unity in the city among churches and church leaders and everything. But uh, we started back about in what well, was 2012, and with five of us, and now we affect, oh, about 150 to 200 pastors and leaders in the area. Now, when I talk about these three pandemics, all three of these pandemics begin to tear apart the very fabric of what God was building. The health pandemic. If you don't wear a mask, something's wrong with you. Wear a mask, something's wrong with you. If you get vaccinated, something's wrong with you. If you don't get vaccinated, something's wrong with you. I literally saw churches that had leaders there for years left because other leaders required them to wear a mask or didn't want them to wear a mask, either side of the issue. With the George Floyd thing, inroads we had made racially and everything else all of a sudden began to be torn apart. And then the politics came along and began to tear it apart more. But what held us together was ultimately the message of the kingdom of God. It was 1999. I was, planning, I was with our church planning teams in Albania. And one of the young Albanian leaders, indigenous leaders, chip leaders there, asked me, what do you think about Y2K? How many remember that? Any of you all here remember that? Y2K. And I looked at him without thinking, because I do a lot of things without thinking. And I said, Lear, it just means yield to the king. I didn't know what I was saying. I'm honest with you. That's true a lot of times. But the Lord arrested me. And I journal a lot. And I began journaling with the Lord. And he told me something. And all these things are important because this happened in 1999. As we're moving into the year 2000. He said, I want you to read the first two chapters of the Bible. And the last two chapters of the Bible. Seven times a day for seven days. It radically changed my theology. Why? Because I'd been taught the central theme of the Bible was the redemption of mankind. And you know what? That lessens the importance of the redemption of mankind. Because it made it about us. What do the first two chapters and the last two chapters of the Bible have in common? Well, the first two chapters is the inauguration of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven in its perfect form. No sin. What happens in the last two chapters, Revelation 21 and 22? The consummation of his kingdom here on earth. No sin. And so from Genesis 3, the fall, to Revelation 20, where he deals with it all, is all parenthetical. What's the purpose of parentheses? It supports what's outside the parentheses. What is that? The kingdom of God on earth 
as it is in heaven. And God told me, you begin proclaiming this because what I'm doing, now we taught the kingdom of God, but not like the revelation that he began to speak then. And he told me, I want you to understand something. He brought Esther uh, 4.14, I believe it is, uh, for such a time as this, God has brought you into royalty or in, in the kingdom for such a time as this. And he shared with me, we, you and I, are only the second church on the face of the earth to lead people through a new millennium for such a time as this. We need to grasp our destiny. We need to grasp he chooses the times and places, the seasons. We, we, we need to grasp that. And this church... Grasp that and understand the depth of the destiny of the times and seasons that we live in because we are going to be a beacon and a light to the fear that's reigning out there, even as we've spoken this morning. Now, so here we are, the only, only the second church on the face of the earth to walk through a new millennium. It was 2009. I was praying and seeking the Lord, and the Lord said, what's the tithe of this, next, this millennium? As we entered 2000, I said the year 2100. You know how I got that? A hundred's a tithe of a thousand, right? And he said, what year are you going into? And I said, we're going into year 2010. And I began journaling. And he said, what's that? And I said, oh, Lord, that's the tithe of the tithe. And I, he said, what's that? And I said, that's the priestly portion. Hear me. Hear me. Because what's going to be produced in this church and apostolic centers that are around? God spoke to me and said, what's it a kingdom of? Can anybody tell me? Priest. Yes, priest. He said, I'm going to move the priesthood of the believer from doctrine to reality. Even with Israel, Exodus 19.6, it was his desire that there'd be a nation of priests, a royal priesthood. And so one of the things that's coming out today is a revelation of who we are, our identity. As priest. And there's no chasm or gulf between the pulpit and the pew. And this belongs to the word of the Lord. And God is equipping his church and preparing us. That was in 2009 as we entered 2010. 2019. I don't know why every 10 years. But this is where the Lord has led me. I was seeking the Lord and he said... As you move into 2020, I want you to start telling the church you're moving into an accelerated time of preparation. And then the pandemics hit. Little did I know what was going to be happening. But God had us prepared. You know, there's a difference between planning and preparing. Many people planned for many things. There were weddings canceled. There were vacations, trips canceled. All types of things were canceled because of the pan pandemic. Preparation has you ready for whatever. And that's the season we're in. I'm saying all of this because the church, one of the major metrics that's going to have to change in the church, it's not about attending. It's about being Equipped. I thank God you have a school here. It's about being a disciple. Now, where God is leading us, 
And he gave me a specific message that I'll share. He said, I want you to awaken my sleeping giant. And I wondered about that phrase, so I looked it up. And look what I found. Admiral Yamamoto, who was the architect, the Japanese architect of the um, uh, Pearl Harbor invasion, made this statement, wrote it down afterwards. He said, I fear all we have done is to awaken the sleeping giant and fill him with a terrible resolve. And history records it. We see the atom bomb and all that went on and the defeat of the Japanese army. Hear me. God is awakening us as his sleeping giant who has been ill-equipped, not equipped. And we are rising up in the face of the earth to be a force that cannot be defeated. What do I have here? What kind of pen? Ink pen? Ballpoint pen? Yes, nice pen. How did you know that? How did you know that, Steve? You got <laughs> We all know it's identity, don't we? We do. What determines its identity? Its purpose. Its function. Its purpose. Now hear me. If I hold up a piece of paper, what's its purpose? What's its function? We write on it, don't we? God is moving his church in place. In order for this to awaken the sleeping giant, it's going to have to be a well-equipped church. How do we know this, its identity? By its purpose, what it was purposed and designed by its designer for. Now, what's the overarching purpose of this? What's the overarching purpose of let me grab this? What's the overarching purpose of this? What do they all have in common? Does anybody know? Communication. Communication. Here's what I'm saying. Because this is the phase that God is moving the church into right now. And apostolic centers are leading the way. That's why people are going to come. We've got pastors coming who have come in to be equipped, etc. The overarching purpose is communication of all three. What's our overarching purpose? Advancing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. But each one of us has a unique role. This is different than the phone. It is all about, and you're, I want to share this, what God is doing with us today in apostolic centers. He's beginning to unlock our spiritual DNA. He's beginning to help all of us discover our I am. Say I am. You know, we have cheapened so many words. And let me say this. In the changing face of the church, we look at change. I read a book back in the 90s uh, by a man by the name of Alvin Toffler. Now, he wasn't a Christian, but he could, he could, he could see trends. And, and world leaders sought him out. He's one of the most uh, profound uh, authors of that 20th century. He made this statement in the 20th century that is so applicable to the church. 
He said the illiterate of the 21st century would not be those who could not read or write. But those who could not learn, unlearn, and relearn. How many of you know it's tougher to unlearn and relearn? Why? Why? Because it requires humility and teachability. It's not that some of the things that we have to unlearn and relearn about were wrong. Some things were just wrong. Other things, it was okay for the season, but we're in a different season. We're growing up as a church. We're, all of creation is travailing for the manifestation of what? The sons of God, the huis of God, the mature ones of God. And apostolic centers are going to focus on that. Let me say why it's so important to, to, to realize some of that. And that is because when you sit here and when you come here and get involved here, in the same where these centers are, it's not business as usual. There's a cost. There's a cost. And people are willing to sacrifice. You see, one of the major things that we will focus on is presence versus program. When we talk about the changing face of the church, the word face, literally in the Bible, is translated presence or persona. And so we find the situation in Exodus chapter 33. Many of you remember it. Where Moses, God's telling Moses to lead the people. And uh, he says, well, unless your presence go with us, I'm not going. And he makes a statement, a profound statement, because how else will people know that we're yours? Well, now let me tell you the Hebrew translation of that. The word presence, unless your presence goes with it, is in the plural. And it literally translates that unless your many manifestations go before us, how will they know you're people? Miracles, manifestations, what's happening? So I'm grateful for what I hear or what God's doing here and the importance of all of that. Now, I'm going to share two different portions of scripture that have to do in the importance of his presence. Because what happens is we've been religious. Well, somebody might say amen. How many have been in religion? Amen. And I've watched this, and we get a lot of Bible knowledge. But Bible knowledge without Bible experience is pointless. As a matter of fact, all it produces are religious zealous who hinder the work and flow of the Holy Spirit. And that's why it's important that we experience the Lord because the Bible is a love story from cover to cover and we've got to bring that across to people. It's about a royal family, a king. It's about his adversary. It's about our victory in him. So when we look at this, about his presence, we have mastered the mechanics of the spiritual disciplines, but God's going to move us to a place where we master the disciplines. You just talk about 21-day fast. And we look at Isaiah. They fasted. They were seeking the Lord. But God said, this is not the fast that he has chosen. In order to have their breakthrough, they had to change the purpose for which they were fasting. Now, we look at uh, scriptures like Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Then we have another scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. What's common about those two scriptures 
It's the verbs. Both the verbs about being transformed and being filled are a command and they're present tense. But what's the problem? It's a command, it's present tense, but it's in the passive voice in the Greek. What does that mean? That means I'm commanded to do it, but I can't do it. And the illustration I use, I say if, if, if something's in a passive voice, if I said I hit the ball, that's the active voice. I was the one taking the action. If I say I was hit by the ball, then it's the passive voice, and I was the one receiving the action. So here are these verbs. I'm commanded to do it. It's an imperative. I'm commanded to do it now, but I can't do it. So what is this all about? It's about the presence of the Lord. The spiritual disciplines are given to put us in the presence of the Lord where he does the work. And the church that's going to walk and grow up in the face of the earth that's going to have a real impact are going to be those who are walking with the presence of the Lord as we move on down throughout the world. God, bring forth, awaken your sleeping giant. We need it in the world today. Now, apostolic centers are equipping centers. There are four things that are necessary for an equipping center. Four necessities. Number one is the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13, he guides and teaches us. Acts 1, 8, don't go anywhere until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We can't even understand the word without the Holy Spirit. What I appreciate about the church here when I first walked through those doors is I sensed the Holy Spirit in this place. I've watched charismatic churches. I've watched Pentecostal churches leaving the experiences of the Holy Spirit. I remember in our earlier years when we were moving out and, and many people speak against us because we were so into, you know, miracles, casting out demons, all these type of things. And people would say, well, you just base your faith on experience. But I love what Jack Deere said. Anybody ever hear of Jack Deere? Was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, cessationist, that is, he didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And then he wrote a book about surprise by the Holy Spirit. Others came to him, imagine professors and everything, saying, well, wait a minute. You base your faith like they do on experience. He looked at them and said, so do you, the lack of it. My charge is this to us, because we see it all over as I travel all over. Churches that were once rich in the Holy Spirit are moving away from it because it's not popular. And they're moving away from scriptures because it's not popular. And we're embracing and allowing the world to affect us rather than us affecting it. We are going to stay strong to experiencing Holy Spirit because the Bible is about people who experience the Holy Spirit from cover to cover. Secondly, what we need in apostolic centers are those who are very word-oriented because the word is given to equip us. Paul talks to his son Timothy. In Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, he talks about how the scriptures, you know, were able to make him wise unto salvation. And he said, all scriptures given 
for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped unto all good works. Apostolic centers will stay true to the word when others are beginning to move away from it. A third area that must be in apostolic centers. Fivefold ministry. Fivefold ministry. I thank God for the churches that are upholding the fivefold ministry. You will not be equipped without it. As a matter of fact, I refer to what I call the ick factor, the IC ick factor. The church is to be apostolic. The suffix ick on any word literally causes it to be an adjective pertaining to whatever the, if you will, the, the, the word is. So you have apostles, the church, all the church is to be apostolic. You are being equipped to be apostolic. What does that mean? You recognize the importance of your sentness in the earth. You recognize that you are a messenger, you're equipped to be a messenger. But apostles also bring this sense of identity, purpose, destiny within the hearts of the people. The church needs to be prophetic. The ick factor, it needs to be equipped by the prophets. Why? Every one of you, every one of us, must learn to speak as the oracle of God. That's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4. To speak as the oracle of God. So the prophets bring that ick factor to the church... And that's what's happening to the church in various places today where it's becoming a voice of the Lord. Because much of what I hear today are echoes. They're not voices. Echoes are those who get their information from reading books, watching Christian TV, watching DVDs. I'm not against that, hear me. But if that's your major source of information, you're not going to be a voice. Those who are, and here's the problem with that. Those who are writing the books many times are getting their information from those who wrote book. And here's what's happening to his church. We're moving further and further from the source. And so the correction God's bringing to his church and the changing face of the church is growing directly to the source again. And so the importance to be a voice, we must spend time in the presence of God. The evangelistic, we know, the it factor. We've got to reach out and touch people. The pastor, if you will, being shepherdic or pastoric, if you will, it's not for a group of people, just a small group of people up here to care for people. The church is to be a covenant community. A covenant community. In our structure of things, we teach three C's for discipleship. The first one's commitment. That's a choice. Commitment to the Lord, that's a choice. You made that choice. Commitment to your family. I remember my wife and I walked down the aisle and said, I do. Had no idea what we did. <laughs> Others can relate to that. And matter of fact, we've misinterpreted scripture and where Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together lest we be agreed? And we said, if we don't agree on our eschatology and everything else, we can't walk together. That's not what that scripture means. It means how can we live life or move through life or walk life together unless we agree to do so. 
After I leave here today, I will be going to a gathering that we have, usually every three months, but the COVID thing has made it a little longer, with the same team I've walked with men for 48 years. Covenant together. The church, can I say that? Be a covenant community. Here, committed community, committed to the Lord, committed to one another, committed to the church. So that's our first C. And find, matter of fact, we're finding that it's, it's very important because today a lot of people do not understand the meaning of, co- of commitment. And we have to bring that back to church. The sec- our second C is character. You need to grow in the fruit of the Spirit and grow and be mature. Our third C is calling. Then we're working with you through the schools, through our training, et cetera, things like that. And under calling, we have three Ds, discover, develop, and deploy. I know I'm giving a lot of stuff. But apostolic centers are equipping centers. We don't teach employment. We teach deployment. What's the difference? Employment, it's about me working a job to get money so I can provide for my family. Deployment says this. God's my provider. He puts me in specific places because that's my mission field. I spend 80,000 to 100,000 hours of my life. What am I going to do with it? That's my mission field. Think about the sanctified genius of the Lord. He uses people who don't even know him to support you on your mission field full time. But we are focused. And so we teach everybody's deployed to their particular place, and we teach workers worship. Very, very strong. As a matter of fact, our, our work in D.C. right now was built around that, our church plant there, as work being worship. And so we walk through that. So the equipping, fivefold ministry, we have that. The last factor of an equipping church, and it, I want to I talk, it, it's, it's really on my heart hard today, especially with COVID, and that is the body of Christ. And I want all to hear me, because today we're seeing pajama church. How many understand what I'm talking about? We're talking about digital church. God's church cannot be digitized. It can't be. I heard you talking about the storm. Noah, building the ark. I believe the body of Christ is the ark of God for today and the end times. Noah was commanded to take this shittim or acacia wood, which speaks of the nature of mankind, and line it within and without with what? Does anybody remember? Pitch. That word for pitch in the Hebrew, kokafar, literally means atonement. It's lined within and without with atonement. It's sealed within and without with atonement. Then when they went in the ark, eight souls, God shut the door so that no man could open it. Because I believe when they heard the voices crying out, they would have opened the door trying to help others and lost themselves. I believe the body of Christ is the ark that people need to be a part of in these end times or they may not make it. Everybody who was inside the ark had to put up with the stink. Does it ever get stinky in the body of Christ? Yes, it does. They had all the animals in there, all that goes with it. But everybody who put up with the stink survived the storm. 
And many people leave the church today for various reasons, and COVID has become, and excuse, forgive me for saying this, and I don't want to be um, lack any grace in saying it, but I have to say what's on the heart of the Lord. For many, it's become an excuse. There are those who validly have to be at home. But for many, it's become an excuse. And I want to call God's people back into his church. I want to see his sleeping giant awakened as we look at that today. So the four equipping factors, Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the fivefold ministry, and the body of Christ. The body of Christ, how do we equip one another? Ephesians 4.16 says, according to the effectual working of every member. How many of you know what your I am is here today? If I could ask you. How many, how many of you here have the gift of healing, gifts of healings? Okay, I see some hands going up. How many here today have a word of knowledge? You know that that's, okay. How many today uh, prophetic? Okay. How many, um, let's see, what am I missing? Word of wisdom. Word of wisdom. Okay. Uh, we could talk about uh, miracles. Gift of faith. Everybody in the body of Christ needs to know their I am, who I am. And that's the church that God is raising up today. The church where everybody's equipped and know their part. Just like this pen, its identity is determined by its designer for a specific purpose. I'm going to ask this. How many of you here need a touch from the Lord today? Would you stand? You need a touch from the Lord. Just stand where you're at. I'm not just talk, talking about we all need a touch, you know, time, but I'm talking about there's something going on in your life where you need a healing or something like that. Look around. Now, I want to see something happen. I want to see the body of Christ minister to itself. Can you move about and begin praying for each other right now? Body ministry. Okay. One last principle I want to share with us. And this is something that I've had to struggle with in my life. And we know the message to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. You've tested those who said they're apostles, you've done all these good things, but nevertheless, they did one thing that God had to adjust them for. They left their first love. And the Lord asked me one day, Ron, is the canary still singing? And I didn't understand what he meant. And then I came across an article, and I carry it here with me all the time, that during the Iraq War, when President Bush was first Bush, the British took caged canaries into warfare with them. And where they learned it was they used them in the coal mines, caged canaries. And the reason they took the caged canaries with them was that they were very sensitive to poisonous gases, etc. As long as the canaries were singing, everything was okay. But if the canaries stopped singing, they got out of that mine. If the canaries stopped singing, they put on their mask, etc. The canaries in our heart 
is the Holy Spirit. And that's why in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, singing, making melody in your heart. When that stops, and attitudes begin to develop that are poisonous. Remember, we're moving away from our first love. We must always keep our first love first and foremost in our individual lives. That's what's going to move this church and any church forward in a powerful way. It's people who are radically in love with their Lord and Savior. Can I get an amen? God bless you.